College baseball fans, college baseball is returning to Globe Life Field, home of the World Series champion Texas Rangers. Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas is kicking off the college baseball season by hosting some of the top teams in the country over three consecutive weekends. The action starts with the Shriners Children's College Showdown presented by Kubota from February 16th to the 18th and continues with the Kubota College Baseball Series from February 23rd to the 25th and March 1st to the 3rd. Visit globelifefield.com forward slash college baseball for more information. Tickets for all three weekends are on sale now. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 34 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from youth levels all the way to the pros. When it comes to decisions, I would like a personal assessment on my decisions when drafting the fabulous Rune Dogs. They were not great decisions. No offense to those players. That's all on me. But uh, get an assessment from our friends at S2 Cognition. If you're not making good swing decisions, everything else doesn't matter. Um, so really appreciate that partnership there. Uh, also want to say thank you to Pitch Logic, the system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. Easy to use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level. See PitchLogic.com for more information. PitchLogic.com. I'd also like to say thank you to the great Zevi Barrels, Aaron J. Fit, and the uh, owner-operator of the JoJo Joes, Josephus Joe Healy. Gentlemen, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Good evening, Coach. Coach Hello Michael. there. I am um, in awe of your ability, Runes, to keep such close tabs on the fabulous Rune Dogs because we did the podcast, what, two weeks ago drafting our teams, and I don't think I could name three guys on the team. Yeah. On my team. Well, when it goes poorly, it's easy to remember. And t- yeah. truth be told, and this is where I'd like to start us off this evening, fellas. Um, I'd like your counsel on this. The the fabulous Rune Dogs, there's two, you know, like th- this is a multifaceted franchise. I've got the fantasy draft, the players, but the one that really uh encompasses my attention is the weekly picks. And that franchise, that version of the fabulous Rune Dogs went a woeful five and five last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just here to tell you now I, I want I want my team to see me wearing the swag, right? Like I am wearing if you're if you're listening, I'm wearing my fabulous Rune Dogs logoed hat, uh, compliments of Stephen Shock. So I want the team, Fitzy, to feel that solidarity, but I also want the team to know that they stink. That five and five is not good enough. And and we are all over the panic button. If it doesn't improve this weekend, gentlemen. Chris from Louisville will be flown in to talk to the team. Like, th- this is unacceptable. If we think we're going to take down Etheridge Farms by going <laughs> five and five every week, we are not. That is not going to happen. So, Etheridge Farms is dynamite. That's dynamite. Yeah. That's the first time we have. I've heard that one. That's a, that's a you gem. had Beverage Farms growing up, Fitzy, oh, yeah. right? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Drive through yeah. milk that's store, that. Joe. The, the Milano those. cookies also were the. Oh, uh, amazing. Mm, yeah. Yes. Um, Joe, any I, any advice for the fabulous Rune Dogs and Fitzy? You can go next. Well, see, I would I would normally give you the advice of just tailing Mark's picks every week, but we can't do that anymore with the new method that we're using. 
here at D1 yeah. Baseball to pick games because tailing Mark's picks is a pretty good, that's a pretty good general strategy, but, but now you can't, can't do that anymore. So I, here's what I would do. It's a long season. It's, there's a lot of games baked into this, this, you know, this thing every week. So you've got plenty of time, no reason to press the panic button. I would just, I would just crunch some, some tape basically. <laughs> and I would, I would grind tape and watch, look at Mark's grind pick tape. week by week and try to figure out what is he, you know, what is, what is he doing that I'm not doing? Like what picks, yeah. like evaluate at the end of the week on the ones that you, he got right and you got wrong. Evaluate. Now, why did he pick that team? And I picked the other and then see if maybe there's some commonalities there. I just think this is a matter of a situation where you, you just got to, you know, kind of put the work in. I, I think that's all this is. And, yeah. and look, it could always be worse. You could be Eric Sorensen. You could be four and six right now. You know, uh, I think you got to, you got to, <laughs> Stitch. Certainly, certainly, you you gotta accentuate the positives. As a fellow five and five franchise, I, I listen. I, it's a, like like Coach Healy said, it's a long season. I couldn't be less concerned. Oh gosh, yeah, Stitch. In fairness to Stitch, he was on a ski slope uh, five minutes before first pitch. So, oh, I had um, to bad, by the I way, badger him for his picks at the last minute. He's lucky he got any picks. Yeah, and it is secret bout this year. Very clever by. Um, our, our good friend Christian Aro. Uh, by the way, uh, now is the perfect time of year to get a subscription to D1Baseball.com and SEC Extra. I'm just telling you, try it. Watching the games with a sub to our site will change your life. The ability to go look at stats, the ability to scan through a, a fall report and, you know, think about guys that are off to great starts. And, uh, you know, like my man, Matt, Massiangelo of Sacramento State did the fall report or did the did did coach Rooney's whack preview say that he was going to get hit by a pitch 112 times this year I could tell you it did not so um but anyway if you if you um when you check out if you put in hashtag grind tape at checkout you'll get 24 percent off so the new coupon Kendall if you're listening make that happen it's grind tape uh gets you 24 percent off you could also try season 24 which is kind of weak but um maybe try to even put weak sauce in there but season 24 i'm certain will get you a discount but grind tape should really get you a discount fitzy that's what i'm saying season 24 is weak weak 24 or 24 season, 24 not even, season yeah. not even grammatic it's not even sake. quality sentence structure <sighs> listen coach runes yeah, I thought we were capital J journalists. So, all right, well, enough about the fabulous Rune Dogs. We, um, you know, we're, we in our locker room, we've got a little uh, cartoon of uh, Mark Etheridge of Etheridge Farms. We, we call him codename Biff from Back to the Future 3. Clearly, he's got a sports al- almanac from 2024. But uh, we're, we're, we're coming sorry. after you, Biff. I'm not letting you get away with this. Back to the Future so, 2, Runes 2. Oh, that was 2? Please know your Back to the Futures. What was three? Day. I thought three was that's, into the that's future. The, that's the old Western movie. Oh, dang it. Okay, thank you for that. That's good. I need to be better than that. Dang it. Mad, Mad Dog Tannen. You're, maybe you're, you're confusing <laughs> F for that Mad guy. Dog Tannen. Oh, All right, so let's preview some college baseball now that we're six minutes in. Well done. Oh, gosh. Know you're back to the future um, series, Coach Rooney. So, boys, let's do this. Let's talk about where we're going this weekend because we are going to places um, – uh, of prominence and then we will we will talk about a series that we've we've that has piqued our interest so um Fitzy you want to go first what's your plan of attack yeah. for this weekend hell yeah I want to go first coach Roots to the yeah I'm fired up uh I got globe life this weekend and oh uh, yeah baby it's it's good it's it's good to quite good um couldn't be more excited about uh opening 
day of that tournament matchup between Arkansas and uh, Oregon State. That's the evening game. Uh, number two, Arkansas, I believe, against number seven, Oregon State. Hello. Wow. Uh, sign me up. That's going to be really the marquee game of the whole weekend, probably anywhere in college baseball, right? I mean, I don't think there's anything juicy. Has there been that. a better pitching matchup this year than Hagen Smith versus Aiden May? That's got to be the best one of the the giddy-up so far, right? I would think. That's good. Yeah, it's uh, top of Quality. my head. I mean, I can't think of anything that would Neither. trump it yet. So, yeah. Oh, jealous. Uh, great matchup. Really eager to see if Hagen Smith can bounce back. I'm sure he will. Uh, believe in that guy. You know, it was cold from what I understand. It was cold last week. Um, not a great night to pitch. And a bad, you know, threw, out, threw a lot of pitches in one inning. I mean, so be it. Uh, you know, pull him. That's the smart thing to do. Um, he'll be fine. And and but but him against that Oregon State offense is going to be fascinating because you saw those guys in Arizona. You wrote about it in your runes report up on the website right now. Check that out. It's a wonderful read, uh, everybody. But uh, the Beavers sound sound pretty legit, coach. So I, I can't wait to see those guys take on Arkansas. And then of course you got Oklahoma State and Michigan out there too. Um, you know, two teams that we're kind of trying to figure out still. Um, you know, two teams that we thought would be very offensive heading into the year. Oklahoma State really a surprise series loss. The first weekend out there at uh, Sam Houston State, but um, still really like their lineup potential. Still not sold on their pitching. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And so this will be kind of a telling weekend to see how how those arms do. And in Michigan, uh, an uneven weekend. You didn't you see those guys too, Coach, uh, against Western Michigan? Yeah, I did. They're interesting. Like I would, they're, they're it's. Um, I would say on paper, Michigan is is not. They're the fourth of the four teams you're going to yeah. see. But I. I just I I have great faith in Tracy Smith's ability to build that program. They're they're just gonna the majority of it's gonna be the high school pieces and then the grad transfers. You can see them trying to get their sea legs underneath of them. I I, I Michigan will have to play. You know they'll have to punch above their weight to hang with these teams this weekend. But I I'm very confident in Tracy Smith's ability to build that program. Yeah, I am too. And I, I like um, I like the, the young arms. I think the whole key to this season is how quickly the young arms can grow up. So I think they're going to be okay offensively. They got some good veteran pieces in the lineup, um, but so much depends. And Tracy was kind of telling us this at the convention, like so much depends on how quickly those, those young arms grow up. And, and if they do, you know, they could be a, a regional team in the Big Ten, but uh, TBD. Two interesting freshmen in that one, Fitzy, like Michigan. I might be saying his name wrong, but I think it's Dylan Vague. Uh, is a, a freshman who's pitching on Friday nights. And I don't care what the state of any program is for a freshman to get the ball on Friday nights has my attention. And I'm really curious for all of you guys to see Trent Caraway. He's just yeah. a really interesting freshman. Like he's not what I pictured, but he's still really good. And so that he was, he, I was a little confused by him last weekend, but I, I left very convicted. Yeah. You know, you, you, it sounded like you were saying he's, maybe thicker than you expected, but also like in an, in an athletic way, right? Like he's, he's, he's not yeah. maybe as, maybe as, maybe not as quick twitch as, as, as I was kind of envisioning, but, uh, but he's a tank. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, he's a tank. Like he's quick enough. Um, I was just picturing like in, in my mind, the assumption was that when Elijah Hainline signs this year, he slides over to short. I actually don't think he's going to slide over to short. I mean, he looks every bit of 215 pounds. Like he's strong. But I'll tell you what he is. He's hyper aggressive and plays. He's a little emotionally out of control. Like it, the, the the game, he's moving fast. The game is moving fast. He's swinging at everything. 
but he's mm-hmm. also making adjustments like first pitch of his career. He hits a missile double to left field. So second at bat, what's the first pitch? It's a changeup, right? So he swings through it badly. Two pitches later, another changeup, he hits a home run. So it's like he's, but he's, he's a little spastic in a very fun, good way. I'll be curious to see if he's that way against you guys or with you guys too. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's certainly one of the players that I've most uh, been looking forward to seeing in the early part of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of star power there, you know, I mean, Oklahoma state with Nolan Schubert and Carson Benj and uh, there, there's a, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend. The weather is going to be awesome all weekend, but I'll be inside. So I guess it doesn't matter, but boy, it's going to be like in the seventies and uh, no rain and uh, sign me up for that too. At least while I'm around, it'll be nice when I'm, when I'm not in the ballpark. Yeah. I, uh, hey, you, and you'll get to enjoy that. Yes. Uh, now, Joe, I'm going to turn to you for a second. You saw quite a bit of our good friend Kendall Rogers in the suite in Globe Life. And Fitzy, are you going to go to the suite? Because if yes, Joe, I'd like you to evaluate both of our partners on their suite, you know, like just kind of their suite game, if you will. Yeah, I, sh- I should be there. Yeah. Yeah, for me, you know, for me, it, with Kindle there, it's, it's kind of, you just, there's these lapses, right. Where it's like three innings go by and I'm not sure Kindle's moving. Like I, I almost, (laughs) he's frozen. I almost called globe life field to do a wellness check on him, you know, go down there and (laughs) shake him a little bit. Um, and look, you know, those are long days, so we'll cut him some slack. You know, you're on your ninth hour there. It it does get a little bit, you know, you have to kind of, hype yourself up to, to get back into it. So, you know, this weekend I'm looking for Aaron to show like a little more, little more, you know, to use a word quick twitch, you know, in the, in the, in the suite, get up and move around a little bit more. I know you, you like to do the photographs and things like that. So maybe you'll, you know, you'll partake a little more, but I'm I'm looking for you to be a little lively, you know, show some athleticism in that suite. Um, You know, show us that you're ready to go. Uh, you know, Kindles was a solid performance, but but there were just periods of time when the energy just wasn't wasn't quite there, and that was that was the only disappointing part of it, I think. You know, and and one thing I've learned over the years from our good friend Coach Michael is you got to stretch. You're going to see me up oh, there stretching, man. stretching out. You know, I mean, I'll, I'm not afraid to do that on TV. I'll stretch. Uh, I got to stay loose. And, and hey, I mean, listen, I got the advantage. Only two games a day versus three. Uh, perfect, perfect number, really. Here's here's another question I have about the suite situation. You know, people, um, you know, they find out about your suite, so they start kind of asking about the suite, and like it's kind of this. I feel like it's almost now. I've not had the pleasure, so I don't know, but I have to assume people are kind of implying, like, "Hey, can I come sit in the suite? Like, can I? You know, how do you anticipate dealing with that kind of stuff? Um, Is it a case by case basis? Is it a hard no? Is it a hey, my door's always open, college professor style? What do we got? You know, listen, actually, you make a good point. Can we strike this part from the record, Coach, before we post this this podcast? I don't want to do it. You don't talk about Fight Club, all right? That That's the bottom line. Uh, the best part is Fitzy will be on television. He will get the, – the person who texted him saying, can you get me in the suite, will literally be able to see Fitzy, <laughs> look at his text, and put it down with no response. So just be careful, Fitzy. The world is watching. Much that's like that's Fight Club, the, the first rule, of course, of, of the suite is you don't talk about the suite. The second rule of the suite is have fun and be yourself. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh. Joseph, where will the Joe Joe Joes be this weekend? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, oh, maybe. Yeah, a, uh, the, the new 
the new tournament to the, the suite of tournaments put on by our friends at Peak Events, the Jax Classic, J-A-X there, um, because it's cool and edgy, you know, the Jax Classic. Um, oh, I'm feeling it. Good, good, good field there. Um, you know, obviously with me covering the SEC, I, you know, I get to see Auburn there, which is a team that I'm interested in seeing that, you know, frankly, you know, getting to Auburn, Alabama from here is, is a little bit of a jog. So, like, it's nice to be able to have them come to where I'm going to be. Uh, Virginia, obviously, uh, you know, 14 in the country, number 18, Iowa, and then Wichita state. Um, so, you know, three of those four teams, I think we could obviously we have two ranked Auburn very easily could be ranked. There is a scenario where they are. So really three of the top, let's just say certainly three of the top 30, probably more like three of the top 27 teams in the country. Um, and then, you know, Wichita State was kind of the mystery team, but they had a nice weekend. You know, they won two of three over the weekend against the OVC favorite, Little Rock. And, okay, you know, we can nitpick on, okay, that's the OVC, but they beat the tar out of Little Rock the first two days, including um, getting, you know, really putting a big number on Jackson Wells, who led the nation in ERA last year. So, like, that that is certainly not nothing. You know, preseason All-American. So, um, and, you know, Brian Green, head coach there, we know that, you know, he tends to, He's a guy who over periods of time can kind of get more out of his team, high energy guy, a lot of competition. Um, now, whether or not that's able to carry them through an entire season, we'll see. But but certainly that's a team that I think we saw good signs from. I kind of wondered if they would just be totally overmatched in general because they lost so many guys in the in the portal. And um, so, we'll, you know, but we'll see. I'm eager to see how they look in this setting, um, just kind of to judge like, OK, where are they on that spectrum? But um I think it's, Iowa for me is the most – go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm just going to chime in on Wichita. It's crazy to think how good they might have been if they had – Oh, I know. You know, if they hadn't had the coaching change and then just a mass expedus. Did they have 60 at, dudes last year? How did they even have – I mean, it was like every roster has a Wichita State transfer, it feels many like. Many people yeah. are calling it a, a diaspora, the great diaspora. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, yeah, I'll it, tell you what, though. When I was doing the, the American preview – I was still, I found myself still kind of intrigued by the roster. You know, even after everything lost, I was like, you know what? These guys might be sneaky. And I couldn't get myself to really pull the trigger on them. Um, Yeah, they got a lot to prove. But like all the the new guys they brought in, I mean, some of the Juco dudes. And I mean, I think considering, you know, they got a late start on building this team and they had a lot of pieces to replace. I think they did an okay job and we'll see. I mean, you know, your your evaluation this weekend, I'm very, very intrigued to hear what you have have to say about a lot of the new guys. Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned the Brian Green piece of it. So I just Googled real quick to make sure I had the numbers here. But, you know, when he took over Washington State, his first year was that there was a 2020 season and they went nine and seven. But like, I don't know, from where Washington State was, that wasn't too bad. And their best year under him in Pac-12 play was his first full season. So I do think there is some bump you kind of get there from, you know, um, there there could be some sort of bump you get from kind of just a different voice, a new energy, uh, all that kind of stuff, which is not unique to him, but we see that a decent bit. But anyway, regardless, Iowa, I think is the most interesting team for me. I mean, the rotation full of high end draft picks, um, you know, and honestly, I mean, Brody Brecht is the name we all, every, even the casuals know Brody Brecht to some degree, but I'm, perhaps more interested in the other two guys and Obermuller and Marcus Morgan, because they're, they're more of a mystery to me. Just, I haven't seen as much of them. And in some ways they are Obermuller, maybe in particular, kind of the steadier of the group. Cause as big as the arm is for Brody Brecht, I mean, we all we're well aware of his issues with control and command at times. And, 
um, you know, it, th- those outings of like, you know, four and two thirds scoreless with one hit and five walks, you know, like that, that just kind of feels like what we're going to get. So, um, if Iowa hits enough, like that, that's the thing is like, how much is Iowa going to hit? I like the individual pieces in the lineup, but how much are they going to hit against, you know, an Auburn team that pitched well, uh, opening weekend, a Virginia team. We know the talent they have on their pitching staff annually, including this year. Can the offense do enough to kind of, you know, pull them over the finish line if they, if they pitch well, but, but not, you know, not, not the best team in the field here. So um, the thing about Virginia for me is that they should be the team. I mean, the talent is just when I was doing the preview of the, the Jack classic, which you can read at D one baseball.com on paper, they, they should be the team that the wins this deal. I mean, wins quote unquote, there's no trophy, but um, they got four guys in the top 200 and actually four guys in the top 129. Cause Jack O'Connor, I think is ranked 129 for the uh, 2024 draft. And then three guys for the, in the top hundred for the 2025 draft. So they're pretty loaded and it, you know, they, they had a weird weekend last week against Hofstra where Hofstra, Hofstra kind of pushed them a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. Um, again, you know, tough weather, cold, all that stuff, shoulder shrug there, but long way of saying, I, if you, if you told me any of Auburn, Iowa, Virginia goes three, and zero this weekend, and we come out of it thinking like, Hey, that was the best team there. I think I'd totally believe you. Love it. Joe, you're going to get Brody Breck versus Chase Alsup, right? Uh, I mean, if, if things play out, it's Iowa Auburn to kick it off. I think that's. I don't have it here in front of me, but let, let's assume that's true. Like, talk about two guys with big arms with sometimes trouble throwing strikes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we could, you know, we neither of those. It might be the case that neither of those guys finish four innings. Like, that's totally on the table. But I will say, last weekend with with Alsup, he got hit a little bit last weekend against DKU, but he was in the strike zone, and like honestly. We know what his stuff is. So I think at this stage of the game, Auburn will take that trade off because he's not going to get hit every week. Like his stuff is just too good for that. So if he's going to be in the strike zone, you'll roll the dice on the rest of it. Um, So that's a great take. It's a great take. And it was, yes, four and two thirds, no walks, you know, and yes, five runs, three earned. Uh, It feels like maybe, you know, I didn't watch the game, but it feels like maybe if they play cleaner defense, then maybe like it's a different, different line. Um, But, uh, that's uh, I'm totally agree. Like that's I thought that was very encouraging last week. Really, Auburn's pitching in, in general. Like our big the reason we didn't rank them in the preseason was we wanted to see you know can Alsop make the jump and is Gonzalez healthy? And so far, even I don't know if you would call it a jump yet for Alsop, but I would say it's encouraging that he was in the zone, and it was really encouraging that Gonzalez came back and and not only pitched but pitched very well. Yep. Yeah, the, the Carson Myers had maybe the best, or statistically had the best weekend of any of their starters. UAB transfer, and quickly on him, like last year, let's not forget Auburn's ace was a lefty with just kind of okay stuff, you know, who they they found a way to get every last ounce of potential out of Tommy Vale. Carson Myers is a guy with a high 80s fastball, but if you're if you're going to start with a lefty, who throws a ton of strikes, like I'm going to assume that Auburn of all coaching staffs is going to find a way to make that guy a viable starter in the SEC. It's not going to be exciting, but I, I do think he's going to be a valuable piece for them. Yeah. Joe, you're going to be collecting some serious data points. Like I'm thinking about that weekend and it's, you know, like, hey, can is Jay Wolfolk a real weekend rotation arm? You know, like now that he's not playing football, um, I, I if I'm looking correctly, like Ike Irish has been catching a bunch so I would assume he's going to catch a bunch for you. And like, what's that look like? And 
Um, man, that that tournament is awesome. I wish I wish the peak events guys who do such an awesome job. They, these tournaments not only do they have great teams and great facilities, but they're so well run. They are so it's pro 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 all the way. It, they do such a great job. I wish every bye week during the season they could run a tournament, but I, I know that's not it's not feasible and viable, but. Oh man! Um, so can I make good. one more uh, just random comment here about this field? Uh, I'm curious what you think about Bobby Whalen because I kind of liked him in the fall. He's a Virginia center fielder um, who, who transferred in um, from um, Indiana, and and like he was, you know, he was kind of like a nice player at Indiana. Stole some bags, but like you know, nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but like he, he got to a really really good start. I do think he's a pretty good athlete who who turns in quality at bats, and you know, he's not going to be. Ethan O'Donnell that they had last year in center field that they brought in through the transfer market. But like, I wonder if he can be a reasonable facsimile thereof, you know, like a, just, yeah, just a nice veteran piece to play center field and, and does a really good job. Yeah. He's he, the, Virginia's be quickly becoming a program. And this is, I think more true on the mound, but I think it's also true in the position player side that if they take a guy in the portal and you look at their numbers and kind of go, mm, mm. like, let's just assume they know something that we don't. Yeah. Because like they, they have done a pretty quietly. They're not they're not fishing in the same pond as LSU and Tennessee or even now Wake Forest in terms of those types of transfers. But the guys they get tend to be the feels like tend to be the, the right guys. Very much like Duke in that respect. You know, I yeah. talked about that a yeah. lot on, I think, the, the earlier show this week. But, yeah, it's like they just don't miss on those evaluations. It's really impressive. Yeah. Mm, love yeah. it. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Uh, boys, I will be traveling to Fort Worth, Texas to see TCU host UCLA. And um, my cousin lives in Frisco, and I thought he said it was going to be freezing cold. I'm looking at my weather app, which uh, the great J-Road disputes is not very accurate. But it's mm. saying 73 degrees, 78 degrees, 83 degrees as the highs. But I was trying to tell so, you, you're going to enjoy that this weekend. Yeah, that's not bloody knuckle weather right there, Fitzy. That's that's healthy <laughs> <No>. knuckles. <laughs> that's right. Um, so I, I'm just really interested because TCU was a team that we, we think a lot of. You know, they had an incredible offseason. They're coming off of Omaha. They played a lot of freshmen last year. And I would say they've played some, you know, they, they're 4-0. But Florida Gulf Coast and Texas State, you know, that that's not an easy trek. And statistically has not been easy for TCU. You know, like they're hitting 347. They hit eight home runs. They're fielding 954. They made seven errors in their first four games. And pitching wise, you know, it's a 6.94 ERA. Um, it is not gone awesome. You know, Ben Hampton's start didn't go particularly well. Zach Morris's start didn't go particularly well. Payson Tolley's got a 12 ERA through one outing. Cole Klecker's got a 12 ERA. So again, like, you know, context, it's one weekend. I get all that. But um, I'm interested to see this. And UCLA, they swept Gonzaga, which is not easy to do. Uh, I love that Cody Schreier, who was, you know, it lost a lot of last year to injury. He was great. Deuce Gorson was excellent. Rock Cholowski, one of the highly touted freshmen, he was excellent. But, you know, their field 950, which is so unlike them. They, they made six errors. They did throw the ball really well. Come in with a team ERA of 2.67. You know, they walk nobody. They've got eight walks on the year. So, I just, I think at the end of the day, I'm trying to figure out who TCU is going to be because there is, you know, Peyton Tolley, that's a, that's an impact transfer. Peyton Chatagnier, that's a, you know, like that's a presence on your team. It's a kid with a national championship ring. And UCLA, you know, are they the team that started out 16 and three last year and, and it's the program that we trust? Or 
are are there remnants of just them getting ravaged by injuries last year? So I, I'm I'm really curious. I feel like this is very much a learning expedition. Um, yeah. but I'm I'm excited to see it and I'm really excited about what those temperatures look like. I, I uh yeah, I, I, I picked UCLA in this series, by the way. And and Ooh. um the thing that I was really encouraged by was just the rotation, you know, the starts they got from, from Luke Jewett and Finn McElroy and Michael Barnett. And that was our biggest question mark about UCLA. At least it was for me. Um, and so far so good. So Joe, I'm sorry. I cut you off there. No, I think, I think the cutoff was mutual as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, you see, this is like, this is a weekend where I'm, I think you could argue on both sides that this is a little bit of a prove it to me kind of weekend. I think less so of TCU because I just think, they're so they're so strong there on paper, but with UCLA, it's kind of like, you know, is Gonzaga just bad again? Like that's possible, right? Like mm-hmm. they weren't very good last year. I hope they're not because that was a team I drafted in our stock market game. Mm-hmm. But, but even last year when they were bad, I get your point, Runes. Like even last year when they were bad, they were pretty pesky. Like they weren't rolling over a lot, but they weren't very good. So is that the case again? So is it just a little bit of fool's gold with UCLA that hey they pretty much took care of business against the Zags with you know the exception of one close game. Uh, so, you know, to me for UCLA, it's less about, do you win this series? All oh, that would be great. Obviously to me, it's more like, do you look like you belong on the same field as TCU? Because I think we know with TCU, what the talent level is, what the ceiling is, team we saw in Omaha last year, all that. So is UCLA, do they look the part, not just, you know, Gorson and Schreier and, and, and Chalowski guys that we know could could be on the field with them, but what does the depth look like when they go to the bullpen? Can they stop TCU's offense when, uh, and then vice versa? I just, I want to see that T or UCLA just kind of looks like they deserve to be kind of in that same realm um, to give us more sign that, Hey, this is, this is a program that's going to get back on its feet after last year, just being a really weird shell of, of what we expect from them. Yep. I, I, I'll put a bow on that one with this Luke jo- Jewett, who is the Friday night guy for UCLA, at least started out that way. Very interesting. He's super talented. Like he's been up to 96. You check on synergy and the average fastball is 94. And that's a big number on synergy because remember that like this is average fastball velocity. So you're you're touching sixes and sixes and sevens to be an average of 94. And he just had this really interesting career at UCLA where, you know, his um freshman year, he's he gets 35 appearances as a really good reliever, 3.6 ADRA. But he walked 13 guys in 44 innings. And, you know, for UCLA, that's a lot of walks. And then last year, now he 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 didn't finish the year because of injury, but he walked one guy in 20 innings, and yet his ERA ballooned to 5.31. And this weekend against Gonzaga, he only gave up five hits. He was very, he was mostly very good, but of those five hits, it's two doubles and a home run. So I, I'd be, you know, that's against TCU, if you're giving up extra base hits, that could be a real problem, like take an early shower problem type of thing. So anyway, I'll be, I'll be really interested on that. Hey, Fitzy, what's another series you'll be peeking at? I know you'll be fully locked in, but if your attention was to dwindle just a little bit, what's something else you'll be peeking at? Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, a uh, big series in Huntsville, uh, season debut for Joe's favorite penny stock, the Dartmouth, uh, big green Ooh. going off to, 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 to face the Sam Houston Bearcats, uh, Joe's alma mater. I think you're going to be very conflicted there, Joe. Oh, that is, um, that's, a, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough one. But I'll give you another answer, too. Um, uh, North Carolina, East Carolina. Uh, awesome. It kind of pains me to, to leave my home state here 
um, when that series is going on because I love traveling series in general as a concept. Um, I think it's neat, obviously, when Clemson and South Carolina do it. I think it's neat when Georgia and Georgia Tech do it. And I think it's really neat that East Carolina and North Carolina are doing it now. And it's, you know, it's been a fun series every time I've attended in the past. Um, great matchup, I think, on Friday night in Chapel Hill, I believe, with uh, with uh, Trey Savage, of course, the, the, the first team All-American. Um, and uh, uh, Folger Boaz, who was the first UNC freshman to start on a Friday, an opening day since, I believe, 1998. Um, and he's he's the real deal, guys. It's like it's lefty. Who's who's firm with the fastball and got an elite slider and really commands a slider and it sounds like the changeups really coming too. Um, North Carolina's offense looks scary good. East Carolina can score in a in, in a hurry as well. I mean, really, it's it's uh, not I don't think as ex- explosive as UNC, but it's still another very good typical East Carolina offense. It's gonna be a great series. I mean, really, for me, it's the side. Yeah, I'd say probably the marquee series, like three game series on, on the calendar this weekend. I mean, UCLA TCU would be the other one, but uh, uh, I think that this is a total coin flip, and, and I'm just excited to kind of keep tabs on it from afar. I would say this is, I don't think this weekend, that weekend, Fitzy's as much of a learning experience as it is. Right. Like, I just, I'm convicted on both teams. I yep. think both teams are incredibly talented. It just feels like a February super regional is what it, it feels like. That's well said. And it's, that's exactly what it has felt like in the past, like the atmosphere at both, really all, all the venues, because they've got a neutral site game in Fayetteville. But uh, especially the two on-campus venues, when they've played in the past in February, it's been awesome. It's been electric. Um, and that's just cool for, for college baseball in, in this state. And, and, I, and I'm with you. It's not like, a oh, we're going to learn something. We're going to draw some sweeping conclusions about either team after this weekend. It's going to be, I think, a very tight series that um, you know could go either way. Love it. Joe, what are you peeking at this weekend? Well, quickly, because I think these are, there's a tie-in between – what Aaron just described in a series I'll talk a little bit about, and that's, you know, ECU, we kind of understand the big picture story of that program, which is just like this, uh, is it Sisyphean, like pushing the rock up the hill? Yeah, that, look at uh, that. that yeah, that's, uh, look at thank you. you. Uh, that is, that's what Great like ECU is doing, trying to get to, trying to get to Omaha, you know? Um, and one of the things that's hamstrung them, I, I did this when they when they lost to Vanderbilt in that Super Regional back in 21. Yes. Um, you know, I went back and looked at the history of ECU Super Regionals, and it's like a who's who of playing road series at like top five teams. And that's largely because they're in a situation where it is hard to be a top eight seed if you're ECU coming out of back in the day, the Colonial and then CUSA. And now the, the American is getting increasingly difficult to, to uh, especially the previous iteration. Maybe it's a little better now. We'll have to see. But point is, this is the type of series that I don't want to say they have to win, but like if you want to be a top eight and give yourself an inside track to get to Omaha, this is a series that it would behoove them to to win because you're, you just don't know how many opportunities you're going to get once conference play cranks up to um, put marquee series wins on the board. Um, so exactly. I said, hoist the colors and whatnot. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so my series is UConn at Cal. I'm kind of fascinated by Ooh. for similar reasons in that UConn is kind of always fighting this battle um, in the Big East now of, you know, it feels like they're just on a razor's edge if they can only lose X number of games in non-conference and still have the dream alive of being an at-large bid come come May because you play a series against a, the whoever the last place team in the Big East is and they have an RPI of 252 
that's just trouble. So the series like this, you know, and who knows how good Cal is or isn't, but that's probably what a top 80, 100 RPI team, like on a road series, like you win this series. That's a, that's a mark in, in the positive column. Right. And they, you know, they, they played good teams last weekend. UConn did. So you hope that kind of builds on it. So it's important from that standpoint and with Cal, there's just so much that high end talent is so good runes. You've thought about this, talked about this a lot with the PAC 12, their high end talent is really, really good. Um, the question is more about depth, but the middle of that PAC 12 does seem pretty muddled. Um, so I, I want to put eyes on, on Cal a little bit. I'm assuming there's a live stream for this. I don't, uh, it's Cal. So I don't know that we can necessarily bank on that, but like, I think they typically do the non-conference games with the, with the, the live stream, but regardless, Big opportunity for both teams. Two teams I also haven't seen really at all this year, and I don't know how many chances I'll have to see once we get kind of into the teeth of the season. So an opportunity, especially because I assume these games will come on in an hour after my games are done. So that'll be kind of nice, a little late-night treat there between uh, two two good teams. Mm, I love it. I would tell you that um, if you want Cal updates – Joe, you're gonna have to text Roxy Bernstein. Is gonna be your best option there. Okay, he great. will he will have people in the stands somehow, some way. I would say on Cal, Ian May hasn't pitched yet, and that is you know they they need a healthy Ian May. I also they played not very good defense last year in the infield, and they've got two freshmen whose names are nearly impossible to pronounce. But uh, I'm gonna try it. PJ Mutsuritis. And then the other uh, kid is, where is he? Jaron Avincula. Uh, and he's the younger brother of the Avincula that just played at Washington State and was a pretty good player in the outfield. So I, I just think Cal's older, better. But, you know, to your point, Joe, we'll, we will see. A um, couple of things that, I that I'm going to be peeking at while I'm in Fort Worth uh, is NC State at Hawaii. Hawaii, I mean, I, I know that people are panicking about Ole Miss right now. And, Joe, you're probably feeling that way more than the rest of us. But Hawaii is just a hard place to play. It is so far away. It is a hellacious trip. It's a very distracting place. You know, back in the day, the umpires were in your dome because you were pretty sure the umpires were neighbors with everyone in the stadium not named you, right? Like, it just felt like uh, borderline calls were not going the visitor's way. Now, of course, we're in an era where – that that's not our current umpiring situation, but I think Hawaii's good. Rich Hill's a good coach. They've got good players on those islands, and um, I I think NC State will have their hands full. I'm really curious about that one. The other the, one is um, Saint. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say I compared that Ole Miss weekend. They for those who don't know, they split four games with Hawaii, and honestly, their Ole Miss's game one win went to 13, so it could have been a series loss for Ole Miss pretty easily. I compared it to one of those movies where, um a group of friends goes on like a vacation to a tropical location. And then like 25 minutes into the movie, they realize things are not as they seem, you know, <laughs> like there's some it's evil on the Island and they get trapped there. And it's like a, just turns into a nightmare of a situation. Like that's, that's kind of how that weekend played out. Cause they win the first two games yep. and then lose the next two by a combined way too many to way too few score. And yep. then they escape the Island and, lose a home game to Arkansas State tonight. So that's not ideal yeah. for Ole Miss. Not their only ideal. solace is that uh, their their rival, uh, in-state rival, lost to Austin P last night and is in a dogfight with Austin P again tonight. Wow, I think it was 10-9. They were up big. I think it was 10-9 last I looked. 
I will say this on Ole Miss. We'll have more time to talk about them down the road. But I, I was staying at the Ferrans, the great Mike and Erica Ferrans house, because we had so many games in Phoenix this weekend. And Coach Ferran and I stayed up late Friday night to watch Ole Miss and JT Quinn and Hawaii. Uh, the great Mrs. Ferran looked at us like you two have serious problems. But um, but hey, here's to you. Cheers, ESPN+. Plus. I liked Ole Miss's position player group very much. Yeah. Joe, they looked the part. JT Quinn didn't throw great strikes, um, but it wasn't like he was hitting the bull either. Like he wasn't hitting the mascot. So anyway, we'll, we'll have more times to discuss Ole Miss. But I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I was encouraged. I was really encouraged in a lot of ways. So, um, boys, the other one I want to mention: St. John's is at Houston, and you know St. John's won the series air quotes at Florida because they only played one game and they kind of put it on Cade Fisher. Um, and that was impressive. And we know that the best St. John's has been struggling a little bit lately, but the best version of them was a, you know, super regional team in 2012 that, you know, I had that super regional and they, they pressed Arizona who won the national title more than anybody did in the postseason. So anyway, um, St. John's is interesting though, doesn't it? It feels like a long time ago. Where, where, where have you gone? Rob ref Snyder. St. John's has not been a factor in a while james no. loman gino yeah they were uh i don't think joe panic was on that team i think it was the a year after joe panic but it was a really good team it was um that said um houston is just a gut feel team for me i think they were one of my picks in the preseason i think a non-field of 64 sleeper i just feel like their roster is ready to get after it in the big 12 i'm just very encouraged by them um, and so, you know, this will be a good test for them. It appears, I mean, St. John's going down to Gainesville, even winning one game pretty handily, it seemed that that has my attention, you know? Uh, so that'll be another good one. Uh, real quickly on 2012 St. John's, cause you just sent me down that, that rabbit hole runes, uh, also on the team, the great Jeremy Baltz. Oh, um, Charlottesville regional Frank MVP. Sh- I believe I was at that regional and he just went bonkers. Uh, Frank Schwindel. On that team, love it. A great St. John's name. They had an um, infielder St- Weiniger that was really good, or something. Yeah, Weininger, like Wessinger, Wessinger, Wessinger. Wessinger. Yeah, yeah. He was their leading hitter. Yeah, um, yeah. Good. A good Hanson. Team. They had a Hanson brother on there too. Yep. Not, Car- not Carasidi. Luke. Luke Hanson. Yes. Yeah. They had some Carasidi, guy named yeah. Hagen who had the best ERA on the team. Can we get Ed Blankmeyer back in college baseball immediately, if not sooner? I, if it's you know what? I, I saw Eddie Blanks uh, for like two two minutes in the ninth inning um, at Coastal Carolina this this weekend. Obviously, his son Ty co- coaches for <laughs> coaches for um, Duke, and but uh, you know any two minutes with Eddie Blanks is is just a, it's just a true delight. Amazing. Wish I had more time with him, but I always enjoy seeing him around the ballpark. He's still lingering. Yes, love it. Anything else from the St. John's uh, stat page, Joe, that you'd like to report? That was well done. Well, I was, yeah, no, thank you. I, I just, my only gripe was that I wish that they had first names on the stat sheet. Like it was just last names. Uh-huh. So I, you know, I was trying to remember on the, on the fly. So, but uh, just a, just a fun, you're right. Runes like that, that's super. Like I was, I remember being pretty locked into that super for some reason watching it. And they, um, th- th- those scores do not totally do justice to how much St. John's pushed Arizona that year. Yep. Uh, quick story time and then we'll wrap boys. So I did that super regional with the great Carter Blackburn does the most unbelievable Harry Carey impersonation you've ever seen or heard. And our, and our, the other person, in our booth was the great Randy Flores. So he had just got done playing and he was transitioning. He had some business things going. This is right before he became 
the Cardinals uh, scouting director. And, you know, Flo, as everyone calls him, is literally there's no greater human in, in baseball than Randy Flores. Just all time great. Loves college baseball. Um, just vintage lefty from Southern California. So Flo is all this is like his, you know, ESPN debut. And he's all hyped up. He's been like just plowing through monster drinks before the broadcast. So we do the open and you've got the headsets on. And uh, and so Flo then realizes that after the open, due to the monster, uh, the, the monster intake, he's going to need a bathroom break. So we go to commercial and Flo sprints out of his chair, like jumps out of his chair to run to the restroom at High Corbett, not realizing that he still had his headset on. So the headset yanks back. And then Flo, to his credit, accelerates through it. Like, he he played mm. through it, Fitzy. And next thing you know, the headset is, like, bouncing off of the floor of the press box. And remember, a headset is a hot mic. Like, a headset is a microphone. And so um, our producer, Rod Adamski, the most even-keel producer of all time, like, unbelievable guy, he gets in our ears and he's like, fellas, if you when you put your headsets down – Please just put them down gently. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm saying, Rob, if you had video of what just happened in here, there, there was nothing gentle about it. It was just pure athletic acceleration. So Randy Flores, ladies and gentlemen, one of the all-time I, greatest. For sure. I, Runes, I just have one question for you, sir. Yes. If the moon was made of ribs, would you eat it? Oh, that was terrible. God, oh, when, who was that? I mean, that was... Who were you my, going with my, it for uh, there, Fitzy? I was going for Will Ferrell as Harry Carey, and I just totally blew it. I could oh, not man. rise to the moment. I hadn't been practiced. I was not loose. Strike. It's a high bar record. to clear, though, Fitzy. You know who else has a great Harry Carey? Jason Benetti, also. Benetti, Unreal. Yeah, of course yeah, he he's does. A, yeah, he's got some good ones. Joe, what's, who's your best impersonation? You've got sneaky good impersonation game. Oh, boy. Probably Kermit the Frog, honestly. <laughs> that's no oh, that's right, that's right in your wheelhouse. I could see that for sure. Yeah. Oh gosh. Hey, Kermit the Frog here. You know oh, that. That's yeah, very that's, good. Yeah. Very that's good. Right. We need Kermit the Frog announcing a baseball no. game. I can. Um, I, I, I have a Tim Tadlock saying the Shriners, but that's that's, that's good. a very limited <laughs> Tim Tadlock impression. Yeah. Your best. Your best work, Joe, though, is you singing the uh, Florida Gators fight song. That oh is... sure. I've got the most esoteric. I've got the Florida Gators fight song. I've also got the J. Rowe Keach impression. <laughs> you know, I just like, that. Really like that one. Very, very specific. Brad Fieger, you know. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, gentlemen. You just, you, just, you just always have to have a random Miami Hurricane at the ready. Like, just, just in right. case. Just in case you need yep. it. Oh, it's yep. a Sir Speedy yep. home run. It's a Brad Fieger <laughs> home run. And he hit it to deep left field. <laughs> nice. Oh. So great. Gentlemen, this was so fun. I love these preview podcasts because they're very joyous. They're not very serious. They're joyous because a, another weekend of college baseball is um, is eminent. It's right around the corner. So again, uh, for the listeners, let's review. Vocab words were diaspora, uh, cromulent, um, Sisyphus. There's some really good memes uh, on Sisyphus if you'd like to Google that. Um, and hashtag grind tape. So those were some of the expressions that you can take to work with you. Uh, and that is it. Everybody have a super fun weekend. Weekend two is upon us and we will catch you next time on the D one baseball podcast.
The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.